If you enjoy this show, subscribe to youtube.com slash comic pop for even more deep dives into your favorite comics. All right, let's get on with the show now. Sweeping down upon the underworld to smash gangland. A mysterious, all-powerful character. What a crusade of a law. Hey, everybody, welcome to the Elseworlds Exchange. I'm Sal, and I'm joined today by Jim Zub. Jim, welcome back to the show. Hey, thanks, man. Thanks for having me again. I really appreciate it. It's always our pleasure. Uh, I, I love your, your show on your YouTube channel where you actually get, <laughs> and I, 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 I don't know. I'm like, every time I watch an episode, I'm like, we could have done that. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I, my YouTube channel is very small. Just oh, to yeah. clarify here. Yeah. I'd only started, like I've had it for a while, but it's one of those things where I kept the URL around, like I should do something with this. And so you watch those early videos. It's like, a 30 second clip of me walking around a convention or it's like one of my friends being a dork or I'm in Japan and we're going to try a snack food. Like there's no uniformity whatsoever. (laughs) And then it's like the last, I guess, six to eight months, I kind of looked and I said, you know, I've been doing a lot of um, tutorials. I'm kind of known for doing a lot of uh, how-to material on how comic books are made and how they're written and how people collaborate and portfolio stuff and things like that. And Honestly, typing those up is fine, but there's something really nice and interactive about video. There's something really great and you get a different connection with people. You can speak much more frankly and and it doesn't have to go through the editorial kind of process quite as heavily. Absolutely. No, when I first started doing this, I was originally writing blogs and news posts for like entertainment websites right. and i i hated it man and <laughs> i don't know why because i like talking about this stuff but then sure. when i found the format of oh i can just say things into right. a camera and that'll just that'll that'll be the equivalent of like 17 blog posts i was i was done with, with yeah i said like and i like having the post there and i know people learn differently so it's like yeah. those are there as a resource i've got over 40 different articles that i wrote about like how to pitch how scripts are formatted, what editors do, lots of frequently asked questions and stuff like that. But it's like, okay, let's do some deep dives and kind of organically break down some of the stuff that I was doing, or let's show some really concrete examples while I'm talking about it. And then that just sort of went like, okay, I've said quite a bit and I'm still going to do more. You've heard my voice, see my face, like, how can we get other people into this? And it's like, I've got the advantage of you know, lifelong friends in the industry and peers and people that I love chatting with. And it's like, all right, I'm just going to rope them into this thing. Yeah, yeah no, yeah. I do the same. Th- I'm, I'm trying to do the same thing at the very least with like our uh, offshoot channel that we created here on Comic Pop Returns, where I take all the live shows and stuff like that. Right. So people aren't just like, oh, this isn't the show with the three guys on the couch. What the hell is this? And it's like, yeah, yeah. no, this is the other thing. And it's 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 actually as healthy for you, maybe better. Uh, right. <laughs> we're getting into into the real like into the nitty-gritty as far as the, the how the sausage is made and i i want to normalize this kind of collaboration this kind of conversation with creators because yep. i think it's really valuable and it's like it's like we're in this crazy time everybody wants to say that like comic books are the new mythology right but it's like <laughs> right. oh we're, we're gonna throw away like egyptian mythology christianity no no no, no. it's about spider-man it's about yep. batman and like i'm i'm one of those kind of like early converts i'm i'm more agnostic about it mm-hmm. but imagine if you had a podcast with like the authors of right, right. these these scriptures and what they might <laughs> say or what insights they might provide and we have it now and it's like right i think it, and it's so amazing to be able to talk about this stuff and to be able to talk to peers and kind of go hey this is what i do is that what you do and yeah. to see both where the similarities but honestly where the differences are i think the thing that sort of has surprised me about doing these interviews with other creators is that my assumptions about some of their processes or or even sometimes the 
the trajectory of their career. Because like all of us, I think we all see, you know, after a certain sort of breakthrough point with certain creators, like they they had a big title come out and you're like, where did they come from? Yeah. And then you track back and you go, oh, they've been doing this for like a decade. <laughs> yes. Like, and it is a really corny cliche of saying the 10 year overnight success. Mm -hmm. And yet it does seem almost universally like that is the case. Like someone oh, yeah. has put in six, seven, eight, 10 years of stuff, even if it's not stuff above the board, even if it's not with a publisher putting out books on, you know, in your local comic shop, they have been making stuff. They have been doing things and going through that churning kind of process. It's rare that it's shorter than that. You know, yeah. every so often I would see someone that would be like two or three years and I go, Ooh, you're really fast tracking this kind of thing. You know? Right. And they felt like it took forever. Right. And we always do. You know, one of the ways I, I describe it sometimes I say, you know, you're like everyone else's career, you're seeing the highlight reel, yes. right? And yours is like a slow motion car crash. Like you're just constantly, <laughs> every little bump, every problem, you're like, oh, this isn't working. Oh, this is, I'm falling apart. I don't know if I've got enough going on or I yeah. haven't made the right connections. And to everyone else, because you're just seeing whatever in Instagram or a Facebook post where they're like, new project. And like, new project? <laughs> How did you get a new project? What is going on? You know? Yeah forgetting your own little successes and all the ups and downs that you go through. Absolutely. And then we have these conversations and you see it all. It's all the same. We've all, even if their path has been very different or the types of things they've done have been extremely different, you realize there's a certain amount of what, what's common is the tenacity. What's common is the passion for yes. you know storytelling and character and the medium of comics, you know, yeah. and that, that is what really holds it all together. Right. Cause it ain't easy and it ain't forgiving. And if yeah. you, if, if you were going into it for that reason, you know, I, I get like coming from one teacher to another, <laughs> I get how some people became teachers. Sure. And you know, yeah, eh, but <clears throat> no one stays in the comic book industry yeah, you know, the for, cliche that I've been hearing over and over again says no one gets into this for the money or whatever. Right. And that is true. Like if you want to do and whatever, I could point out almost any industry and I'm sure someone from that industry would pop up and go, are you kidding? You know, I got into whatever for plumbing or electricity, you know, an electrician got into yeah. it for the passion of, of stuff. Sure. It's like every industry has their own ups and downs. And I think we all have a lot of grass is greener syndrome. Yeah. One of the things that's been really valuable for me, obviously I'm known for writing comics, but the more projects I've done outside of comics, I've done some like media writing stuff. I've done a lot of um, animation pitch stuff and, and development. I've done some video game writing. Everyone thinks that their industry is a mess and right. that someone else's industry has got it all figured out. Yeah. And you're just like, no, we're all just navel gazing and kind of confused right yeah and, absolutely and, yeah you ask people you know uh, a lot of people say oh you don't get into fill in the blank for the money right mm -hmm. but if you say if you pulled out to photographers or theater actors or or session musicians or like any of these are you know prose writers ask prose writers <laughs> about how competitive it is in the in you know regular book publishing and and novels and fiction or even nonfiction, like yeah creative arts are competitive people aren't paid what they're worth and it's a very difficult weird winding process because there is no one standard for success you yeah, know what i mean and absolutely. that's that's the real truism and i don't get me wrong because it's comics everyone wants to hold this badge to their chest and kind of go comics 
are different. And they're like, they are in terms of a storytelling medium and in terms of their visibility right now yep. on the broader kind of entertainment stage. But in terms of this, like, you know, comic creators are treated like crap. You're like, you know who else is treated like crap and is about to go on strike? All the uh, support staff in the Hollywood right yeah. now, right? Do you know who else is being treated like crap? Graphic designers. Do you oh. know who else is being treated like crap? Photographers, musicians, like the creative arts are not appreciated properly. Yeah, right, and exactly. I think saying that does not make it any less true or does not mean we don't want it to change, yeah. you know? But yeah, I think sometimes comics can kind of get the chip on its shoulder, like we're extra special bad or extra special good, and mm -hmm. you're just sort of like art. It's I, art, I think, I, and I think that comes from an apples and oranges situation of, well, right now because of comics, yes. movies are making more like certain movies are making oh, more totally. money than ever before, and so yep. it's like a, it's a comparative thing. Even sure. if it's apples and oranges, people can't help themselves. Like, well, Spider Man made three billion dollars this year, and it's like, well, right. I mean, like, yeah, not my book, right? <laughs> right, and and that's not to say that we shouldn't be trying to get comics in more places or oh, <clears> sure yeah, sales yeah. or strengthen the medium or visibility or or diversity or any of those things. All those things are true. And there's also this sort of sense of you're not, <laughs> it's going to be the same, whatever industry you get into. It's the arts. Right? Like it's yeah, going to be yeah. tough. You're, you're exactly. And you are in it because you have passion for it and because you, because right. you want to be there, or at least yeah. you, you think you can make an impact, which is Ask what I was. People that, you know, trying to shoot an indie film, oh. how much of a hassle and how expensive it is. Like, oh, sure. One big difference, you know, comics can be produced on a pretty incredible shoestring budget compared to a lot of other storytelling mediums. You yeah. Know what I mean? Oh yeah. And even then it's, <laughs> it, it gets, it gets pricey because people think oh, it can that, for sure. You know, like you could, I, I love seeing amateur, amateur or auteur filmmakers say like, Oh, you, if you have a phone, you can make a film. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, that's very, that's, that's very nice. Sure. And maybe if you want to yeah. learn how to like make shot composition or create like a storyboard using your phone, but like, no, <laughs> it's yeah. going to cost but, more. But again, I think it's also true of a lot of these arts that people go into it and they, they're, misconception not a misconception their desire yes. is that the first thing they release is of professional quality and is of the highest caliber and will instantly catapult, catapult them to visibility and success right absolutely <clears throat> but everyone goes through a, a growing process and a learning process and if i tell you like the first time you pick up a basketball you're not going to be a pro basketball player you're like well no guff <laughs> and yet when it comes to the arts there's this weird facet where people go, Oh, I'm not talented. Therefore I will not try. Yeah. That's you know? funny. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. And I, yeah. Well, I think there's something to be said for like, you know, innate talent. And then there's sure. like, well, like, like sports is actually, you have to exercise that muscle. Right. You, right. I think, I think with the, with the arts, there is an expectation. Cause it's like, well, but I, but I shared something personal about myself right, and right. It, like, it means so much to me. It must mean something to everybody else. Absolutely. As opposed to I'm not good at basketball. Obviously I wouldn't be a pro, a, a pro right. ball player. Right. But you know, but the same kind of passion that goes into starting to play and then spending time doing it and obs obsessing over it and building those skills is the yeah. same kind of thing you're going to do in the arts. Right. Exactly. <clears throat> you know? And so, but, but the difference of course being as well, you need to open yourself up to outside influences and other things. Like yeah. if you're the comic book creator who is literally only reading comics, you're going to be, you know, just sort of kind of buttressing yourself into a very, very tight corner, you know, completely. Oh yeah. No. Yeah. And, and if you're yeah. a content creator, you know, in our case, we needed like a variation of, of opinions and, right. uh, and, and perspectives and backgrounds in order to give this kind of like niche thing. Yeah. Uh, 
Because otherwise, it's just going to be the same thing you've heard a thousand times before or read a thousand times before or seen a right. thousand times before. Right. And, the, you know, I talked to my students. So for a little bit of background, if people don't know, because you said from one teacher to another. That's right. So I teach at a college here in Toronto, a college called Seneca. I've been part of their animation program since 2004 as wow. faculty. I uh, started part-time, then went full-time, and then became coordinator of the program. So I was like hiring instructors, developing curriculum. So it's not even just my own courses. It's how does this all kind of holistically fit together? Yeah. And it's about art and storytelling and design. <clears throat> and our graduates have gone on to work on major productions at major studios. So we had a bunch of students work on Spider-Verse movie, or they're at uh, Marvel doing special effects on a bunch of those many, many special effects companies you'll see come up during the credits. You know, we've got people at Disney and Pixar and Blizzard and all these other companies that they've worked at. And we need to train them and kind of get them thinking about those skills that they're going to utilize, but also how they interact with each other in terms of teamwork and all that sort of stuff. And those skills, both in terms of my ability to teach it, but then also to explain stuff and to organize it has been so valuable for me in my own freelance career. And the school has been really supportive about me, um, you know, continuing to work that I'm, that I'm writing, that I'm working, that I'm drawing and doing other things because that just bolsters what they do and that everything we're doing is current and relevant, you know? Well, it reminds me of, uh, if you're a doctor, uh, of, of education or of, yeah. of, of, of English or history, and you're expected to write like a dissertation or some kind right. of like scholarly work, you know, that your body of work is kind of the equivalent thereof, right? It's right, like right. It's funny in that way, but it is like, so every four years you actually, as, as full-time faculty, you have to prove your, your relevancy. Exactly. And the funny thing is, is that, the first time I went through one of those review processes, I literally just brought in a stack of books and put it on the desk of the dean. And I was like, here's some comics. And he just sort of laughed and he goes, well, there you go. And, you know, it was <laughs> like the easiest review process. I think it was like five, 10 minutes. And then he goes, so how's your family? What's new? You know, right. kind of because I haven't stopped, you know, I exactly. haven't stopped making stuff. And that's been a joy, obviously, for me to be able to do. And it, but it always, you know, keeps me thinking and keeps me keeps me honest, I guess, if you will, you know. Of course, yeah. and you you haven't stopped since uh, since two thousand one. You've been working in, in, in the comics industry, <laughs> yeah, or, or some or some yeah. fringe so, thereof. Uh, it's funny you mentioned that. So it's like it's literally last week I I tweeted about this. It's been twenty years since my first comic, which that uh, makes sounds- it a miracle. That is, that is my webcomic, Makeshift Miracle. That was a, a a thing that I did for fun. It was a hobby. Like I was working in animation at the time. And, um, you know, when you start in the animation industry, and this is true of comics or any other business, you generally, unless you're an independent creator doing your own thing, right. you're not going to be a decision maker. You're not going to get to choose where stuff goes or how stuff gets executed. You are executing someone else's vision you exactly know? and that's fine that's where you build up those skills and learn a lot but i had i really wanted to tell a story and i didn't i you know i never went to conventions growing up comic conventions or things like that i knew about indie publishing or you hear about stuff like you know dave sim doing 300 issues of cerebus and you're just right. like wow how did you do that or how did the you know the turtles starting as a as a you know indie book and all this stuff yeah. but the process of making a thing and then getting it published just seemed like black magic like i don't know how you get from there to there and who approves this thing or how it works yeah but when i was in um college you know going to school and the internet was coming into its own i saw web comics for the first time right and i was like oh this makes sense to me you put up a website 
and then people go to it. Oh, okay. It. <laughs> you know? And, and uh, guys like, um, um, you know, the Penny Arcade guys were just getting going yes. and PVP like Scott Kurtz was doing his own thing. And there was a bunch of little fandom comics. Howard Taylor was doing this strip called Schlock Mercenary. And yeah. I was like, most of them were modeled after, um, like comic strips. strips. Yeah. The newspaper yeah. strip style stuff. And they were building up their audience, but I, that just made sense to me. So I was like, Oh, I can do that. Mm -hmm. And so I got a website and I started posting my own comics, but even then it was weird. Cause I was like treating it like very professional. I think I did 12 or 15 pages before I posted page one. I was like, oh, wow. I need to have a buffer because I've got a busy job and things are going to be difficult and whatever. And put together the website figuring out how it all worked I, there were parts of that website i had to hand code the html to make yep. format all the thing I, <laughs> god i feel like such an old man saying all this um you know and then started posting these comics and slowly but surely learning how to tell a story in a comic but learning also about kind of the broader comic community which was such a big deal to me you know yeah. like when someone else who was doing a web comic contacted me and they said, Oh, I really like this or, Oh, this looks really nice. I was like, Oh, Oh, it's real now. Like yes. we're making contacts, you know, and that would lead to my first um, professional interactions. And that would lead to my first conventions and slowly, but surely kind of broadening my understanding of, of publishing and comics and storytelling and art and like, like everything. And yeah. so, you know, 20 years, you know, from, from then, which sounds so weird to say that out loud, um, you know, has got me here and it's a very twisted, weird kind of path with gaps. There were whole areas where I stopped making comics and I was like, Oh, okay. I'm going to focus on this part of my career. I'm going to try this sort of thing, but I could never quite couldn't give it up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I had to keep doing it. And then the breakout for most people to see my stuff was 2010. So that was when Skull Kickers launched at Image. Yep. But I had been doing stuff for like eight or nine years before, before that. that. You know? Yeah. 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 And that's a that's a strange thing because in some ways, I wanted Skull Kickers to be the first thing that people knew because it's like, oh, it's an image book. It looks really good and it's polished and and highly professional. And like, where did you come from? Nowhere. I'm, I've just <laughs> appeared for the first time. This is where you see me. Look at this cool book and and let's play. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. But even then, it's not like that book came out and and my phone was ringing off the hook or anything. Like, oh sure. My first work for hire was 2012. So it was almost two years later. Yeah. And that was for Dynamite. I did their Pathfinder series and that was my first sort of monthly, you know, work for hire gig and build up bit by bit by bit. It's not until 2014 that I even do work for Marvel. I done a little bit for DC in 2013, but it's like one credit, you know, two yeah. credits, little short stories. And then you finally get that toehold and you hope you don't, you know, lose it. Right. Yeah. yeah. Now when, yeah. when you get into doing a monthly book for the right. first time, because skull kickers, that's, that's for image. Right. Let's walk a little bit through that process because it's not sure. the same thing as doing a monthly book for Dynamite no, it's or, not. or Marvel. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, image is kind of unique in the industry in that way for it is, you know, it sounds really corny, but it's so true. Like made for creators by creators yep. with all the good. And in some cases, when I say bad, I don't mean as a publisher, but just like, because they give the creator all the control and you get your hand on the steering wheel, there's also no overarching someone like cracking the whip and yeah. saying you must you know deliver this you know do this thing like there's always 
highly recommended. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> we've agreed we want to publish this. We really like it. Oh, what is the schedule going to be? You tell them the schedule. If you blow that schedule, that's it. You know, it you just keep going. Like, yeah. when's the book coming? When when it comes out or whatever. You know. Yeah. And that's not to say that that that's a bad thing. It's great to be able to put that power in someone's hands, but it sure. also means that you can easily, you know, whether it's financially or schedule wise, things can kind of fall off a cliff and you're sort of left to your own device to get that thing back on track. Yeah. You know, oh, you've, you've heard a, a thousand <clears throat> stories of, well, not really a thousand, but like sure. plenty of stories of care of, of books that were motivated in, independently that fall off the public consciousness. Yeah. And then, you know, 10 years later, they're like, we're coming back and we're yep. doing this yep. thing. And I hope you remember well, it. <laughs> you know, but there's also something really impressive. Like, um, you know, I was talking to uh, uh, Rebecca Taylor. She's a editor over at Vault now. And she did a lot of stuff at DC and things like that. We had a great conversation. And, and she was talking about the fact that something like a creator-owned book is such a good calling card because everyone on an editorial level knows how much work is involved yes. in putting this stuff together. So if you're able to create something that can stand toe to toe with, you know, any other publisher in the industry and do that consistently on your own, well, what could you do for us? You know, right. Because that yeah. is, that dovetails perfectly into writing for comics because yeah. it is, everyone will tell you, because I think, I, I think that there is probably, I remember, I remember a Scott Kurtz interview where he said, I bet 80% of PVP readers just want to be me. Like just want <laughs> to have my position. Right. Sure. And, uh, and so when they listen to my shows and they listen to my podcast and everything like that, they're listening for tips on how to right. get to where I am right. as opposed right. to just being die in the wool PVP fans. And sure. I, sure. He, he's never minced words when it comes to anything, particularly no, like totally. that, that element. And I, you know, I won't like early on my ability to organize and say, here's a tutorial on how things are done was a really valuable way for me to stand out because I yeah. was able to organize these thoughts and kind of go, here's a really useful bit of advice. Advice. And someone goes, oh, that is a useful bit of advice. Right. Oh, I'm going to follow this guy. Well, if he's talking about how to do it, and that makes sense, maybe his stories are good too. But it was like almost secondary in oh, their sure. minds to you know the the tutorials and stuff. Or I would have editors that were pointing freelancers towards my how to pitch. And then they literally came to me and they go, I've never asked you to pitch for me. I feel guilty. I've, <laughs> I've hired a bunch of people who learned how advice. Yeah. And then I never went to the source or whatever you want to call it. It's not like I had some masterful different thing. It's just sort of codifying some of that stuff a little bit more. Yeah. But, um, you know, it, and it's really flattering. It's really nice to hear that people have, or someone comes to me at a convention and hands me an indie book that they've developed. And they said, I followed your method and we got picked up by a publisher and whatever. And it's, oh, it's awesome. You know? Yeah. <clears throat> but then also making sure like i remember when when i got announced on on thunderbolts at marvel and one of the things i said i think in an early interview was i've talked for a long time about how to do a how to do books yeah like and now i'm operating on this level i better not screw it up like you know <laughs> not just in general for my own career but also because I've been saying, here's how to do it. Yeah. And now yeah. I'm doing it. And, yeah. Like, or at least doing it on a more uh, public scale because you've right, been doing right. it. That's a thing. Yeah, I have been doing it, but it's that expectation of, okay, now you're on whatever, you know, upper level of, of, of like you said, visibility. Right. You don't want to publicly face plant there. Like True. that's, you know. Yeah. And, and so that's kind of the thing. And it, one thing that was so helpful to me when I was at the Udon studio and I worked as an editor and an art director for a while there, 
figuring out what I needed and being able to communicate that to the freelancers I was working with meant that when I was freelancing for IDW or Dynamite or Marvel or Dark Horse or anybody, I know what they're going to ask for. Like I know what I would need to see to make this project flow. Let's get ahead of that and do that for them. You know? Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. From, from that, from that editorial perspective. Yeah. Uh, and from the creation angle, my thinking was, you know, most of these viewers who watch this show or at the very mm -hmm. least who read comics, I think, I think everybody reads comics has a pitch. Sure. And sure. they all fancy themselves writers and creatives because they're right. reading, they're, they're reading creative work and they want. And it's funny that a lot of them are, are fancy themselves writers specifically. Well, because, because they're telling that I came up with the idea. I would. Right. I the story, and, right? The, and the art end of it, I think it's, you know, there's obviously people who uh, try to put this in the right terms, delude themselves a little bit that they're professional quality before they are. That they're, totally. That they're, but they're not yet. Yeah. You know, but they could yeah. be with enough hard work or whatever, yeah. but that feeling of like, you can tell, if you're not at it, most people could tell they're not operating at a professional drawing level. Yeah. So they wouldn't. They, they wouldn't put they, themselves they, out there that quickly right, or that. Right. that Whereas a writer, you're like, well, this story sucks. I could do better than that. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of garbage out there. There's a lot of garbage TV. There's a lot of garbage movies. There's a lot of garbage everything. Yeah. If you're measuring yourself and saying, I can do better than garbage. You're like, <laughs> Well, really challenging yourself. Yeah, are you? Great. you could be one step higher than the worst stuff being published. Ooh, we got to hire this person. Right, like, right. In order for you to get in there and stay in there, you've got to be operating at something in the upper half, upper third in terms of output and consistent. You know, totally. it's not just about coming up with one story idea. It's also about coming up with story ideas every month, every few weeks and being able to operate within the parameters of what they're asking for. Because inevitably, as much as these people say, oh, I've got an amazing pitch, they come to you and they say, I would do this with whatever, Wolverine or whatever character. And then if someone says, no, you can't do that, what else you got? That was the biggest, that was the best idea yeah. I had. What am I going right. to do now? You got to have like six or seven, 10, 12, 40 of them. Yeah. Or uh, your, that's a cool your... idea, but you also have to incorporate these three other things. Right. Like, oh, how? But <laughs> yeah. still don't lose your voice and still make it all sort of fit, you know? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, hey, there's an event coming, you know, or whatever. Like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's going to throw things uh, right? into a bit of a tumult. But uh, you know. when it comes to these, these, these people who are looking for uh, advice and creative uh, outlet, um, I know that every Every time you ask a comic book creator, what should I do? How do I break right. in? Uh, they say, make your own book. Sure. Be your own make creator. Your own comics. Yeah. And, and, and I think that because I've heard that a thousand times, sure. but it wasn't it doesn't until feel very full. Until, no, it doesn't. Yeah. But but yeah. someone tell uh, I, I don't remember who it was. Might have been you. Who knows? But like the, <laughs> the but somebody outlined like. It's not about having this book because then you, you if you tell someone who's bright and bushy tailed make your own comic book that's sure. how you're going to break into the industry i did it now what right and yeah, now yeah. what and and i gotta put and i have to motivate myself to put like the most personal mo like this is going to be it like like yeah. the like the independent filmmaker who thinks this is going to be the next tarantino movie right, it's my first right. thing i've ever done and i don't have good sound uh you uh you're not showing publishers and other creatives that this thing is the next Alan Moore. Right, right. You're right. showing them that you can do these jobs in the right. industry. And again, that you're also, you know, one of the things I, I'll say this all the time in terms of creative process, like, you know, start start a thing, start a project, finish a project, look at it, evaluate it, be right. honest with yourself. Is this 
of the caliber that you want to present. And there's sort of the two extremes. There are the people who are like, well, of course it is because I made it. And they'll just throw out the whatever garbage they made. Right. And they're like, why hasn't the industry recognized my genius? <laughs> and the other end of it is people who are so nervous, like it's not as good it's not, as it it's could not there be. yet. Yeah. yeah. I got to keep refining the one oh. thing. And you're like, no, no, no. It is okay to finish a thing and for it to not even be what you wanted it to be. Right. But it exists now as a thing that you can evaluate and learn from. Yeah. And then go again. And so one of the things I recommend early on, and not because this is going to necessarily get you the job, but just to get you on the path is to do short stories. Because mm -hmm. what that does is it's sort of hyper it's like hitting fast forward in terms of your career stuff, because what you're doing a is you're starting and finishing a thing. Yeah. It's manageable. So you can really get your head around it. Like so many times I'll hear people say, Oh, I've got this amazing epic story idea. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. If you were going to run a marathon, you don't like go, you know, 15 miles on your first go. You yeah. gotta, you gotta like get the shoes and you gotta go around the block and you gotta figure out, what your pace is and all these sorts of things. Yeah. And then when you're collaborating with other people, just assembling that group and having that cohesiveness, right? So like a short story allows you to hyper kind of focus. So you go, okay, we're going to do six pages as an example or 10. Sure. Six pages is organizable. It's doable. It's finishable. Do we get along well? Does this whole process work? Are we communicating properly? Is, is Do we have a good rhythm? Does the art feel like it marries well with the story? Does the artist enjoy doing this? How long did it take everybody to do the thing? Yeah. Can we refine it and level it up to a professional level? And then you've got it. You've finished it and you go, is this good? And it's right. like, if the answer is no, that's actually not great, but it's not, it's not as bad as you might think because it's almost like the first date that you go, yeah, maybe not, you know, stay in touch, take care. Bye. You know? Sure. Yeah. You don't want to want to commit yourself to yeah. this thing that we had one dinner instead of like oh no now we're trapped in it you know what i mean like yeah and and so that's the thing is you get to test that stuff out and try something and everybody learns and then you walk away or you go this was amazing we got to do more we got to dig in deeper we got to try something more ambitious you know what i mean yeah and and that's the way to really kind of get up to speed on this stuff as that proving ground and that's why you should make your own comics because not just because, uh, uh, you know, you want to make things, you want to have that portfolio, but whatever advice I give you or anyone else gives you as much as we can give you pitfalls and say, watch out for these things, a certain amount of it will never be clear until you have done, done it, it, until you have made the mistakes, yes. until you have, <laughs> you know, dropped the ball, screwed something up, sent the wrong email and then been like, Oh God, what am oh, I doing? Yeah. You know? Oh yeah. 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 And I think that that's true of also every creative pursuit. I think every filmmaker, you got to make film, you got to, you know, and also to know what other people's jobs are. I yeah. think that's something that's really hard to explain to people because mm -hmm. they want to silo themselves. So the writer is the perfect example. They want to be the writer because in the current comic industry, and it seems to wax and wane, the writers are the, the, you know, the, star. Front, the front men, the, yes. the, the, whatever on the mic of this band or whatever you want to call it. Sure. Um, and so they want their name on the front. They want it to be whatever, Dan Slott's Spider-Man, even though there are a dozen artists that worked on that run. Do you know yeah, what I mean? totally. Or, yeah, whatever, Kieran Gillen's Thor, or like any of those kind of things, Jason Aaron or all those guys. Like they're known for those runs. And it's the shortcut that everyone uses when they talk about a run of comics. 
Yeah. And yet when I think about it, when I was growing up, it was always like the pair. So it was like, you know, Claremont burn, like that's, that's a very specific thing. I don't just say, you know, the Claremont X-Men, you're like, the Claremont X-Men, <laughs> first of all, that's like 16 years. So it's a yeah. little hard to And there's a couple of seminal periods. Like, do you mean? Sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Which artist are you talking about? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. I'm talking about the Art Adams annuals. They're really, really good. But, um, <laughs> you know, whatever that might be. So uh, I get it from that point of view that as the writer, you want to have that creative um, concept. Distinction, you, yeah. Right, right. But you also need to know everyone else's jobs. And that doesn't mean you have to be a professional quality uh, uh, artist, letterer, colorist, or, or, or editor. But the more you know about those jobs, the better you'll be at your job. Right. You know what I mean? And so yeah. the, the most potent education I had when I was at the Udon studio was getting under the hood and learning all that stuff and seeing what everyone else was doing and trying to build stuff and watching schedules slip or watching things, you know, last minute saves from disaster and pulling stuff out of the the muck and being like, Oh, Oh, that's how real creativity happens. Compromises and, and communication and, you know, everyone pulling together under the gun to make stuff work. Yeah. And then it was like normalizing all that stuff also. So I went, okay, when things go wrong, I'm not just like throwing up my hands and going, this isn't how it's supposed to work. You're yeah. like every every project is a little bit of a like a duct taped plane going <laughs> off the runway. You know what I mean? Absolutely, especially yeah. when it comes to creative pursuits, and especially when it comes to such a collaborative medium like yes. the one we're talking about. And 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 that ability to see that it's not just about your idea that the the artist needs to be invested and dedicated to what's going on. Yeah, and that they're going to bring themselves into the process, and that is a good and healthy and wonderful thing. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. yeah. If you have it all figured out in your head, then go draw it. Right. Like, yeah. Otherwise, if someone else is coming into it, work with them, build with them. You know, some of my favorite moments from some of my projects are things that the artist put on the page. And then I get these kudos. They're like, oh, the way you've tied that all together visually. And, you know, or that callback to that earlier issue. You're like, sometimes I specifically ask for that. A bunch of times I don't. You know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, what, um, what were some of the things that you learned from publisher to publisher about the similarities within the industry, but also right. some of the major, like, oh, it is very different working for, right. like writing for. Oh, totally. Totally. Uh, you know, it's less publisher to publisher and it's more editor to editor. Like really? within a publisher, you will have very different kind of expectations, you know, in terms of how much information they need up front, how uh, integrated they want that approval process, how finicky they're going to be about everything, you know? Yeah. And yeah. then it's even your relationship at the start of a project versus three or four projects in with the same editor. Sure. You know, you build up creative capital. Like one of the most difficult things I, I was trying to explain to some people, um, Gail Simone started that uh, hashtag comic school. And so I will use that to tag a bunch of my stuff. Cause there's a whole bunch of people who want to learn how to make comics yes. that still follow it and will post material and stuff like that. And one of the most common things people say is, Oh, okay. Jim's got a format for pitching. This is how you should format a pitch. And I go, look, I have a bunch of suggestions for pitching, Yeah, but the successful pitch is the one that gets picked up. It doesn't right. really matter if you follow this or not. I have ways that I explain it that I feel are really valuable, but in the end, 
it's still creativity. You're going to come up with your own way of doing this stuff or this particular pitch won't need every part of this, this thing. Oh yeah. But all that being said, my life now as a writer is very different. The way I pitch things now is actually not like that tutorial very often mm-hmm. because, well, because you're a different writer, up, you're a different person. Yeah, like, but I've also built up a certain amount of publishing capital, like with these editors. Yes. So like if Tom, Bre- Tom Brevoort and I have done God, seven, eight projects at Marvel. Yeah. Like if he comes to me and says, do you want to do a thing? I say, yeah. And then I'll type a couple paragraphs in an email and then we might jump on a call or I might formalize it depending on if I'm trying to do something really funky. But most of it is just like, he knows I can tell a story. He knows I can get it in on time and do all that stuff. So there's no point in me writing this textbook. You don't have to go through all the all the same yeah. kind of trappings that uh, a novice might have to right. or and should the, go through. In the monthly book, you do all that up front. Like, here's my characters. Here's how they're all going to interrelate. Here's how it's all going to work. Once you're on issue eight or nine, I don't have to re-explain the, the wheel to you. I just go, all right, so here's what's happening this issue. This goes forward. This moves back. I think we're going to throttle this thing and change it up a little bit. Is that okay? Yeah, mm. sounds good. All right, we're on. You know, let's yeah. go. Yeah, yeah, what's yeah. the solicit? Like, that's kind of the the thing on there. Right, know? absolutely. But, but like, Tom's a very different editor from, you know, the other, like, uh, David Hedgecock over at IDW or, like, you know, any of the different editors that I've worked with over the years. Like, they've all got their own kind of thing. And sometimes that's based on the license that we're working with. So you've got that extra level of approvals. Like, if oh, we're sure. doing Samurai Jack, now Cartoon Network has to approve everything before we even get to doing the issues, you know? Yeah, what I mean? yeah, yeah. Or, now- yeah. That's kind of interesting because you also you 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 have you worked on Samurai Jack Friday W back in the yeah. day. Yeah. Uh, I think it was what like seven years ago. But yeah, like, that sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, now you do right. Conan, and as I understand right. it, it's not as simple as well. We own Conan now. Right, right. There right. is an estate you have to work with, and you have yeah. to hold. A well, it's less an estate. So there's a company. It was Cabinet, but they recently just sold, I think, everything to Funcom. So the video game company now has kind of eaten up, and all the people that were part of Cabinet now, I think, I don't want to. I think they work for Funcom or as part of Funcom. It's probably some sort of merger, and so all the Robert E. Howard properties are part of that. And they sign off on everything we're doing. And right. Marvel has licensed that stuff. Exactly. Right. So first I've got to get through the goalpost of like, do my does my Marvel editor, Mark Basso, does he like this thing? Does he mm-hmm. think it's cool and viable? And that's a filter. And then it's, does, you know, Conan properties via cabinet, you know, do, do they, they agree? Like, well, right. he's got to, I assume, take it to them and yep, say like, yep. we have, do they have story? questions, right? Oh, sure. And sometimes it's usually just clarifications. Like, it's right. just like, oh, I think you're doing this, right? Yes, we're doing <laughs> that. Yeah, let me just put a button on that. This is exactly where we're going with it, or this is how we're going to do. Or they'll just remind us of certain character traits to emphasize or, you know, things that they want to see, right? And don't forget and, Conan's a thief, that kind of thing. Right, like, yeah, just any of those kinds of things, right? Or, you know, um, whenever I've had, like, Conan, that you know, you, you're, you're trying to tussle with this character with a huge legacy, and you've had multiple, multiple writers over the years, right? Yeah, and then yeah. you have sort of the mythic quality of people's expectations, what they think of in the general public. And you're trying to ratify those things while also do something new and do something entertaining. Exactly. Right? With with yeah. Jack, I can imagine that was even more complicated given that it had, the show had ended, but not concluded. Right. 
That's and right. the ending hasn't hadn't come yet. That's right. So That's I can right. imagine them saying, "Okay, well, did they up front say don't end it or don't like right?" Were so there, were the things you couldn't do. Yeah. So we were like originally that was supposed to just be a mini series. That's what was really interesting. So they did. Um, here's a really interesting pitching thing. So sometimes you will be approached as a freelancer, and they'll say, "We think you're a really good fit for fill in the blank. Mm. Send us your idea." Or sometimes you will, you know, be told there are multiple people pitching on this same project. The the caddy term we use for it is a bake off. Right? <laughs> so it's a bake off. There's four writers and you're all throwing your ideas in. And usually you don't know who those other writers are. Yeah. I found out everyone that pitched on Samurai Jack because a lot of them came by my table at the next convention. <laughs> and they were like, you son of a bitch. Like you just like, oh. <laughs> you know, uh, probably the most interesting version of that. Uh, Andy Suriano, he is uh, one of the designers of the Jack show and he was the artist on the comic series. We're really good friends now. He's amazing. He does directing over at Disney. He's done a lot of TV stuff. The new Turtles cartoon, the one with those really wild graphic designs. Yeah. That's all Andy's stuff. Wow. Right? So he's amazing. He's also one of the fastest artists I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and Andy told me this story. Uh, and I've said this on panels before, so I don't mind saying it. And he goes, I, I was cheating to get the Samurai Jack gig. I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, well, I knew they were going to do a comic and I worked on the show. So I was going to, you know, work on it. I will, I wanted to write and draw it. Uh -oh. And so through my cartoon network contacts, I got to see all the pitches. Oh, and I was like, Oh, you bastard like this. Right. <laughs> and he goes, oh, I mean, I'd already submitted mine as well. And right. he goes, and I read yours and I liked it better than mine. Oh, that's always like, gotta feel good. I wanted, <laughs> I wanted to draw your story, and so like I also kind of said, "This is the one we should do." This one, and I was That's like, "Holy nice. crap!" You know what I mean? Like that is such a cool feeling. Yeah. Um. So we pitched this idea called the Threads of Time, and it was a five issue mini of this concept of of kind of doing a multi part story of Jack having a chance to possibly get back, and how could we amp up the stakes and make it as epic as possible yeah and it felt like an extended version of the show like a movie length kind of crazy epic thing and it went over so well we got tons of good press and then they said do you have more ideas i was like oh i got i got all <laughs> the ideas and so they said okay five more issues and so i started doing onesies and twosies like one shot stories and two parters and then they were like five more. And I was like, great, we're up to 15 now. <laughs> and then I was like, oh man, this is going great. People are loving it. And it was so funny because I just, just got into my head like, oh, they're just going to keep extending us. Right. And then they were like, okay, we're ending at 20. And I was like, ah, <laughs> I've got like, I could do like 20 more, you know, I would totally yeah. up for this. But then I kind of got into my head and I, at the time there was no talk of continuing the show at all, right. none. And so I said, look, on our last issue, can we do like a possible future? Like, can oh. we do like a, a, an ending if there is no ending kind of thing? And they were like, oh, it's going to be pretty tough, you know, but we really like you and we like what you've been coming up with. So I pitched them this one shot story um, and, and they approved it. And so we had this kind of spiritual end. Like if we end up being the finale, this is kind of how I would envision it all kind of coming together. Yeah. And Andy drew the hell out of it. It really, really proud of it and all that kind of stuff. And it was a rare kind of moment where the licensor gave us more latitude than I'm used to, you know? Sure. What I mean? Yeah. And of course, you know, 
uh, uh, Gendy and the crew came back and they did do that fifth season and they yep. did a great job and took it to the finish line. And so our thing kind of exists as this sort of else world. Kind of, yeah. And that's <laughs> yeah. cool. You know, one yeah. of my, the, the most kind of fun things is when people bring me that issue or when they tell me, Oh man, I read this thing and I absolutely, you know, freaked this out or whatever. For me. Yeah. yeah. Before they announced they were going to do that uh, fifth season. I did a, what convention was, that? I think it was awesome con. I was at Washington DC and Phil Lamar and I did a panel and he read the issue. No. Yes. At the panel. And that That's was like dope. one of the coolest I, I read the a couple of the background characters and stuff like that. I yeah. just sort of chimed in. And there's Phil Lamar, the voice actor for Jack and this amazing actor. And we're on this panel together. And the funniest thing was that panel, they ended up changing the timing on it. And I had to go right from the convention to the airport. Oh and this God. panel was like brutal, like right at the end of my time. And so we're literally like, we, we do this thing. We got a packed uh, convention room we do that panel the whole place erupts in applause and i'm literally like phil this is amazing we do a quick hug and i'm like i gotta grab a cab like i gotta go to the <laughs> airport right now and people are like oh will you sign my thing and i felt like such a like a like a hollywood like i'm a sorry like, i no. have to go you know and i'm like running out the door yeah it was so crazy that was fun man that's it awesome was, uh, it was wild times yeah it was good I, yeah i i love the uh the the stories that that break from what you expect and like with, with respect to, you know, this is working on licensed characters this is what's yeah. working on independent characters um, and how it, 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 it informs you as a writer and it gives, it it, you get to give your own people, kind of spin on them. People have their own assumptions about how this stuff works. Like you'll hear these extremes and it's totally. always people saying like, Oh, the editor tells you the story and you're just like a pair of hands <laughs> robotically typing it out or vice versa. They'll be like, I don't know why you didn't do this. And you're like, you think I didn't try? You know what <laughs> I mean? like, like, and it's, and it's everything in between, you know, sometimes you've got some creative latitude and part of your job, I, this is a really good holistic kind of big picture. Yeah. Our job as storytellers and communicators is to entertain and to communicate ideas. And your first audience are the the people holding the keys, right? Yeah. So if I can convince my editor this is an amazing idea, he's or she is going to carry that and go to bat for me and help get it through the halls of power. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. And and, and so they get in people get in their head like they got to fight with their editors. You're like if your editor is fighting against this, it's because whatever system or whatever approvals or whatever needs there are of the company outweigh your idea. Right. So how do you change that? Your idea has to be that much better, that much more compelling, that much more powerful that they will then acquiesce to it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And if you haven't convinced them yet, build your case better, you know, go and, and, you know, contrary to whatever, some random angry YouTuber will tell you <laughs> the people at these companies are passionate about these characters and they want to build the best stories possible. And we all want to have this thing come out and be something we're proud of that we yeah. look at and we go, look what we made and we're shaking, blowing people's minds and you know, all that kind of stuff. And, and so I've got to convince my editor, this is a great idea. This is the best idea we're going to have we got to go with this one and, and put all the power into it. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And if I haven't done that, then what's missing. Right. You know, right. What part of this, like uh, the classic story that Tom tells about uh, Brubaker pitching him what will eventually be the winter soldier. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, one of the precepts was like uncle Ben never comes back. 
you know, we never tell Wolverine's origin and uh, Bucky stays dead. Stays dead. Those are like three of the eighties, you know, kind of like absolutes. Right. Yep. Yep. Uh, and they've broken two of those. Right. And you're like, thank you for not bringing uncle Ben back. But whatever. <laughs> um, how do you break down this pillar of editorial precept of we will never cross this line yeah. and somehow they do it and do it brilliantly. And now mythically, it is tied to the character so strongly it has to be there, right? It, yeah, Winter Soldier is stronger than the old mantra of Bucky yeah. never Bucky yeah. always stays dead. But that was because Brew Baker brought the idea up and Tom and the other editorial, their eyes rolled back in their head. They go, We've heard a hundred times before. Bring like, back we're Bucky not Russia. we're not interested. Yeah. And and but Tom, to his credit, says, Here's why. Here are my questions. Here are the why has Cap never seen him before? Why would we not? have you know how is this going to be dramatically interesting after we've done the shock value of it what is the value and what does this bring to the broader marvel universe and and a series of these questions i, I think there was like 12 or 20 questions and brew baker just dug down and answered them all right and once he answered them all in a compelling fashion tom fist shaking was like i can't really deny that this is a great worthy, idea. You know yeah. what I mean? And so that's what you need. You need someone in your corner. And if you're not getting that, it's because you haven't convinced them. Yeah. You know what I mean? I and do. people get this way a lot about their creative careers. They 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 get very upset because they haven't been given those opportunities. And there are a lot of people who get blanked on opportunities. Absolutely. But at some point, if you want to work in that, if you're not just going to make your own stuff. And right. I think that that is obviously the easiest and uh, a really fulfilling way to be creative and to do those things. But if you want to work at a Marvel or a DC or any of these other companies on these properties, you have to convince them you're the right person for the job or that you're in the running and then push through with that great proposal, that great pitch, that great concept. Yeah. You know, I'm so thankful that like, I love sword and sorcery. Obviously it's like deep, you know, in my bones and the because of skull kickers i got the opportunity to work on pathfinder and because of pathfinder i got to work on you know samurai jack and dungeons and dragons and now it's like if there's a story with a sword in it i'm Your on the list yeah. i'm on the list like you know oh yeah conan like that's something i think jim would be good at that you're like oh you have no idea this is like i love this i want to do this so yeah. much you know well, I and think we so, talked about how you you were in a bake off over yeah, as well. Yeah, it's like you you you're constantly having to you know prove that element of it. But at least now if there's dragon in it, I I'm in the conversation. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah, I and come I, to I think, mind. Yeah. I think that's different from being like typecast. Yeah, you know, yeah. Or, I, think, or I think it's a good hold. There was a, a very thin slice of a few months where I think I I felt a little frustrated by it where I was sort yeah. of like, if it doesn't have a sword, no one's calling me like, come on, you know? Yeah. I got I, other ideas. Right. And that was also where you can also, you, you see this with actors all the time. Yes. They get typecast for a thing. And then all of a sudden they go in a completely different direction, usually an indie film, mm -hmm. usually, you know, some sort of little short film or a, or a indie production. And you're like, I can't believe so-and-so played such an evil character. They were the most wholesome, joyous, or they're a comedian or whatever. Yeah. And it's like, you can change the trajectory if you want. Like right. the minute that I felt like I was typecast on fantasy, I did Wayward, which is, you know, supernatural, but it's, it's also a teen book. And it's like this ensemble of a group instead yeah. of just being individuals. 
And then I also did Glitter Bomb, which is like a horror story and dark and nasty and sarcastic. And people were just like, this is the figment guy? <laughs> like, yeah. what is going on? But that was a way to sort of go, look, I got all kinds of ideas. I got all kinds of stories. And I'm sure that got you to Thunderbolts. Because right? Yeah. Yeah. Because you, you're not pigeonholing yourself anymore. You're sort of saying, I can do a bunch of different things. Yeah. 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 Big time. And so <laughs> that kind of stuff is so valuable where you go, people creative people and decision makers want to make sure bets as we all do oh, of course and they also want to draw the shortest line between two points right? Right, right so instead of shaking your physical i don't know why they don't hire me for fill in the blank uh -huh. you go am i creating the work that would logically get them to put me on that sure do you know what i mean like i do yeah and 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 so you've got to let them know if you want to do horror stuff you have to make horror stuff right Feel if that you want down. to do wholesome stuff for for all ages you should make wholesome stuff for all ages you know what i mean yeah like that is it seems so obvious but i see people all the time where they're like you know i i remember looking at someone's portfolio when i was at the udon studio and you know we're doing the street fighter books we've got a bunch of anime uh, uh, you know, clients and, and inspired things. And I'm looking at someone's portfolio and their portfolio is really like horror, gritty, crazy stuff. And I kind of go, this is okay, but like, we're not really doing that sort of thing. And he goes, oh, what kind of stuff do you guys do? And I was like, what? <laughs> and I sort of point back like this. And he goes, oh, I hate anime. And what? I was like, cool, man. Like, that's fine, you know, but we're probably not a good fit for you. You know right. what I mean? Right. And he's like, oh, well, I was told I have to show my portfolio to people. I'm like, you do, but you also need to show your portfolio to people that are appropriate. Like, right. you know, there's that, the the joke of like someone who literally sends out a hundred, you know, pitch packages or to every, every studio in town or whatever. Yes. And you're like, but if 90 of those would never have ever Aligned. made this thing, you, you look like a fool. You look right. like someone who didn't do their homework, you know? Absolutely. Um, just stuff like that. It's it's like very, very weird. You know, um, I don't want to, at Vertigo, when Vertigo was at their height, there yes. were certain editors that did all the crime stuff. Uh-huh. You know, your hundred bullets, your scalped. And there were certain editors that did all the supernatural stuff. And your pitch could get a very different response depending on who opened that package. Mm. So you better put to this person instead of to that person. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's it's funny how um, we talk about writing. We talk about being a writer for comics, and it's never just that job. It no. is it is it is everything. It is yeah. it, it, from when you start as a writer to I want to make a thing, and then mm -hmm. you create an independent book, and you become an editor and a letterer and a you know a copy editor. Yeah. Like you're working all these things, but you also need to be. And you learned this. I know it because in 2001 you were a web comic person, so you right. knew how to do this. And I was very steeped in the web comic scene back then as well. Oh, were you? Uh, I, I was. I was more of a connoisseur, if you will. <laughs> Uh, I, I I read I them a lot. The URLs. Yes, yes, I read them. Uh, I sampled their wares. Uh, you know, I, I I dabbled a little bit, but not until like two thousand like five. Uh, okay. But uh, you have to be like a Stan Lee. You have to be a carnival barker. Yeah. You yeah. can't. And just... now more than ever. Like yeah, exactly. Ev everyone is now. I you know I loathe the term brand because everyone says, but it is brand. right. Like it's well, you are you. What do people? 
think of when they think of you. Hopefully they think of you, you know, and if they don't, then that's half the problem, right? right? So, you know, one of the difficulties is that people will, again, I think they want cart before the horse kind of stuff. They want yeah. to be known for stuff or they want their first thing to be the all encompassing. Oh my God. And you're yeah. like, well, that's your first thing. You've made a thing, you know, uh, I'm glad you did that, but now make another one. And they're like, Oh, that was really hard. Yeah. You got to do a <laughs> bunch, you know, like that's how that goes. Yeah. Uh, um, and, and what do people think of you? So if what I'm putting forth is, and this sounds cynical, but it's not my intent. Like, Jim is the hardworking guy who's organized, who is optimistic and excited about you making your own stuff. Like, yeah. I think that's a pretty good message, you know? Yeah. Hopefully. Can't hurt. Right? And it's like, that's, that is who I am, but it's also the fine tuned version of focused on that for the, for public viewing for lack exactly. of a better term. You know that's what, what I mean? the sub brand is. Yeah. Sure. Right. The sub brand. Yeah, exactly. I mean, right? but, I, I hate to say no, it. No, I, I don't mean to say it like in a, it, in a kind of it. like, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. way. Right. And it's not to say that I, I don't dislike any stories because I'm actually very highly critical of my own work and other people's work, but mm -hmm. that's not the public facing version. I am not a critic. Yes. publicly right like i've right. never been a reviewer i'm not telling you so and so sucks and i can do it better like right. my front facing view is like i'm going to tell you about the stuff i love i'm going to tell you about games i'm going to tell you about stories and comics and movies and stuff that i like and and that other stuff that the kind of highly critical thing is sort of behind you know that's my it's wife and I chatting channel. about yeah, yeah my friends talking over a beer or something like you know it, one of the the jokes i say is someone goes oh what did you think of whatever like if i don't respond it's probably you can probably guess <laughs> yeah it's probably probably pretty obvious i'm not crazy about it but i don't need you, you don't need my opinion on that you no, know i'll tell you no. what i really like and that's right. just my choice right yeah. other people have built their entire careers on the critical angle or on the uh, you suck kind of, of, of messaging. Sure. And if that works for them, you know, okay, fine, I guess, but that's not, <laughs> you know, j just keep in mind that all this media stuff is so interlinked so much more than it used to be. And yeah. you may think you're 10 steps away from whatever movie producer or whatever musician or actor or anything you're not. You're no. not anymore, you know? And so if you just sit around just throwing mud everywhere and being like, everyone sucks, this movie sucks, this show sucks, this comic sucks, this art sucks, you're like, you know, you have no idea. You have no idea. Someone who thinks like who thinks you who knows you think they suck. Right. Like eight <laughs> months from now, your thing is on the table and there's a choice, and they just go, No, I don't like that person. Screw that. And they, guy. Don't have to, they don't have to say why. No, you know, they just like and 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 you just got blanked on an opportunity because you wanted to score some Twitter points or whatever. You're like, okay, like that's yeah. fill your boots, man. Like you need to be thinking more about that stuff. And that's not to say don't have an opinion or don't, you know, have a, a political angle or anything like that. The one thing I say to my students, because we talk about this in the third year in portfolio development, mm. just imagine that you have a megaphone and you're screaming this on the street corner are you still cool with it like right because this is forever now like screenshot and you're that's you so yeah if you want to wear it and you like what you're saying and that is super important to you right cool like do it and and but own it 
like be aware that you've done it. That's right. all. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Cause you can't take it back. That's all, <laughs> you know? So it's true. Yeah. yeah. The yeah. internet's forever. And, and it, yeah, you're, you're, yeah, it's frustrating that people's personal identities have become brands. Of course. Yeah. Um, but it is. And that like, people feel they have to hypercharge that with ugh. either, either controversy or the characterization of it. Like we're yes. always, you know, the way I try and explain it again to my students is I say, think of it like being on your best behavior. Like if you're, if you're going to a, a family reunion and you like your family, or if you're, you know, whatever it might be, like <laughs> th this is you going on the first date and wanting to make a good first impression. What are you yeah. going to be like? How engaged are you going to be? How entertaining, how, you know, just put those traits forward. Yeah. And, and, and that is ideally what you want to present to the world. If they don't have any other preconceived notions, you know? Totally. So. Yeah. Give their only preconceived notions your best as opposed yeah. to your most critical. Yeah. 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 And, you know, it, particularly because you can, you can always go more cynical later. <laughs> <laughs> you can always tune it down if you need to, but you can't yeah. tune it back up for you. Right. When you get older, you know, 20, yeah. <laughs> you know, 10 years into the industry, it's like, you know, he's, he's gotten a little bit of a harder edge, but there's some softness there. A you little know, more, as... you know, every so often, you know, like I'll, shoot out a salty social media post and i'm like ah, i shouldn't have done that. right yeah you, know, I mean, you know we all have little moments i'm not perfect at it by any means right sure but but you definitely get a better feel for okay this is these are the hills whatever worth dying for and uh -huh. this is just well i can imagine the reactions like oh <laughs> that really yeah. that really rubs up the wrong way <laughs> like, yeah tempest in a so... teacup kind of stuff yeah yeah. yeah 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 the the other thing too is i think um you know, we're all afraid about getting hurt. Like the first time you create something, you want to be lauded for it. You want yes. people to be enthusiastic about it. And the two things of like, either no one says anything, which is just like this destructive, oh God, why do I do a thing? Yep. Or the negativity where you're like, this sucks, or, you know, I would have done it this way. Yeah. And you're like, oh, the, one of the things I sort of say to people is, and I try to just, <laughs> it's, it's like when your parents would say, just wait till you have kids. You know what I mean? It's like, uh -huh. they say, I hope, I mean this genuinely. Like, I hope you create something and I right. hope it goes well for you <laughs> because, because the minute you create something and you put it out into the world and that vulnerability and that fear of like, oh, man, I hope this, hope this goes over well. And right. if it does or doesn't, you're just like, here it is, you know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, it changes stuff, you know, and, and, you and and the youtubers you're putting out so much content it's it's a hazing process of like good bad they liked it they hated it they oh yeah me, they love me but it's so constant i think that it sort of washes over you and you just kind of go oh okay it is right all the that's things. what this is what it is now and it's just yes. yeah because it used yes. to be i'm sure yeah like oh boy the the comics bulletin had a had a scathing editorial about like something <laughs> in that one right. month in 1995 and like yeah yeah you know, or maybe and you're just see, a, you're just a shill, or you don't really like this stuff, and you're just so, like so easily dismissible. Something that oh, sure, like, sure. Uh, well, there, yeah, well, also, of course, as we get closer to now, you know, like the right. veil is lifted, and yes. so you know, before it's like it was very easy. You know, the letters pages were all very like easily curated, but also, sure, sure. it's like, well, they don't know how the hell anything's run here, so they don't know anything. <laughs> as opposed right. to like, well, they read my blog, they read all my books, they've watched my YouTube channel, they know who I am as a person, they've met me 16 times at different conventions, and they say I suck. 
that's gonna hurt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and they're gonna they're gonna write a dissertation and do a two hour YouTube video. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, it's line cool. and verse, man. Like, yeah, calm yeah. down, you know. And yeah. I'll be honest. Every so often, you get a criticism, and the ones that hurt the most are the ones that you know have a truism beneath it, yeah. where they're just they got you, like they pegged you, and they go, you notice, you know, Zub always falls back on blah and you're this like, device do, yeah do do i oh yeah shit. you know right what have i done oh no <laughs> yeah they got me you know the sirens are going off and sure. the spotlights you're like oh yeah no. well and well the and sometimes that works though like and that's the thing right. that i try to think of whenever we do sure. that is like you know well i mean if you didn't do that how would it be like would it disrupt right. the whole narrative and right. it's like right well and it's like you want to be able to ideally step outside yourself and identify your you're, I'll give you an example. So when I was teaching, I uh, there was one class. You don't know you're doing it. If you have any vocal tics or anything else, when you're a teacher or a YouTuber or anything oh, else, you'll find people them. <laughs> will, oh, yeah. If you repeat a particular <laughs> phrase, that's going to be in the comments or someone's going to zing you with it all the time, yep. right? And yep. so one of the earliest classes I taught, I guess I said the words, the key to this is, so the key to that. <sighs> And so the students at the end of the term got me like a big jangly ring key? of keys and they dumped it on my desk and they said, here are all the keys that you gave us back. And I was just like, what? You know, we were like, there's a key to a lot of things, Jim. You apparently every class. Like, keys. And I was like, oh my God, do I really say that? You just don't know if, yeah. you know, I remember there was a teacher when I was in, in like middle school and they would always have this weird vocal tick where they would say um but they would like extend it so we go um <laughs> and like hold it along and you look at each other like what was that sound right two classes into it you're trying not to snicker and oh, then sure. by class four someone is literally marking a little list and then they've got a bar chart that they're yeah. tracking. They're like, today was a 45 um day. And, <laughs> you know, this week's good. He only hit 12 ums. Right. And they're like, that's what students will do to amuse themselves if you're not yeah. engaging, if you're not, or if they pick up on something that yeah. they can, you know. And and yeah. in some ways, it's brutal and embarrassing to be told that. Oh, yeah. you always say this stupid thing, the keys or whatever. But then once I heard that, I go, oh, okay. I got to not do that. Like, I yeah. Got, carve that out of my vocabulary Come up with another right? thing another transitionary yes. phrase or something yes, yeah yes. i do the same thing i yeah. think you have to but but it's good in the sense of like okay we have a little bit of fun laugh it off now let's do a thing one of right. the other things was really valuable for me was um one of the earlier classes i taught of drawing we were doing uh, figure drawing and I don't know if you've ever seen life drawing. You've literally got like a nude model in front of you. You've got a huge piece of uh, parchment paper and uh, Conte or charcoal, and you're doing a quick sketch. Yes. And in the moment, you're going to get down the gesture, the form and the proportion, and then you're going to start building on top of it. And with animators and, and a lot of uh, gesture drawing, you're doing 15, 30 seconds, a minute long starting of the pose. A long pose is five to 10 minutes. 10 yeah. minutes, you're going to have some sort of drawing there. And hopefully it looks really good. And I'm doing one of these sketches in a demonstration for a class. And right from the first three lines, I can tell this isn't it working. Sucks. <laughs> it yeah. sucks. And you've literally got 25 people over behind you watching this happening in real time. Yeah. And and I could feel sweat starting to form like my pits. Like I'm just like, oh, no. And I'm like trying not to shake. And I'm trying to talk my way through this. Yeah. And I just stopped. And the class is dead silent, like pin drop worthy. And I'm like, they know it. I know it. And then I stop and I go, 
sometimes it doesn't work right off the bat and you got to start over. And I dropped that sheet of paper and we start over and there was this collective like, oh, like uh, exhale. Yes. <laughs> he knew it was garbage. Okay. Right. Just, yeah. making, you know, and I said, yeah. it's not about getting it right. It's about, you know, what went wrong and then let's start over again. Second one yes. went much better. The whole class starts to giggle and laugh and we're all good again. The energy comes back and you're good, yeah. right? It's not about being perfect. Right. And that is so, so crucial. I have written a ton of stories I'm incredibly proud of. I have worked on so many projects that I love and I want people to love everything that I do, of course. But there's stuff that didn't go the way I wanted. There's collaborations that didn't go the way I wanted. There's stuff out there in print with my name on it. And I kind of go, no, geez, <laughs> but learn stuff. And I continue to learn stuff and I'm going to keep plugging away and, and, you know, deliver the best that I can under the circumstances. Right. Absolutely. And when it works. It's absolutely magical. You know, yes. it's the best, coolest feeling when the creative teams all pushing together and we're collaborating and it's even better than I'd hoped. Right. Or you're like, I think it's going to be here and they throw more ideas into the mix. And now it's something even grander than we'd ever imagined. You know, yeah. those are the kinds of things that, that are so cool. And it's like, I've written probably three over 300 issues of comics at this yeah. point. They're not all going to be, you know, like the, 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 Oscar worthy, whatever you want to call it, Eisner glory thing. Mm -hmm. th there's going to be a range there, but sure. they're all obviously I think of a professional level. And then there's some that I like hold closer and dearer and nearer and whatever, but you learn from it and you grow exactly. from it and you keep plugging away. The one thing, if I just threw in the towel and there've been times, you know, I think we all, the people talk about imposter syndrome sure, all the time. And it, it's weird because it seems it's universal as a concept and yet everyone internalizing goes, no, no, my version is, the, is, 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 is not real. Yeah. <laughs> See, what did someone call it? I read a thing. Someone called it meta uh, imposter syndrome where they were like, yes, yes. Imposter syndrome exists, but you but don't not understand. For me. <laughs> I can, yeah. I can properly evaluate quality and I know I'm garbage. You know what I mean? Right. You're like, wow. Yeah. Right. And it's not that I don't have writer's block or, or imposter syndrome or all those things. The difference is, is that I have on all, I wouldn't say every project, but on a, you know, a lot of projects you hit that moment of, oh man, I suck. This sucks. Right. The difference is I figured it out and I came out the other side and we published a book yeah. and I'm proud of it and I like it. And it wasn't so bad because I have literally, so this bookshelf, yeah. these are just my books. So one, two, three, there's five shelves that's off camera here. That awesome. are just my my books. It's surreal and strange. Yeah, because I've done that so many times. I know that this is the moment I feel like crap. Not this is the moment I am crap. Right. Do you know what I, I mean? Feel, uh, you'll you know you'll come out the other side because you right. know it's just right. a mental thing. It's so not it's a... like a weird anger, like a, oh I'm here again. You're right. Ugh. Haven't we moved past this already? Yeah, come on, man. Like yeah. you finished so many things, but you're like, no, this is the moment where I feel like I can't do it. And I get maybe get up, go for a walk, maybe step away from the thing, get someone else's feedback, whatever it's going to take to break yeah. through. But at least I have enough evidence that I got, oh man, I'm doing this <laughs> rather yeah. than being like, I am this. Do you right. know what I mean? Like oh, I do. Yeah. 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 And that's, and that's, that's a thing. really big thing. So that's a thing that's, and it's across the board. Like no matter yeah. what, in whatever profession you're in, whatever skill set you're, you're at, you are going to get to that point where you're like, yes. I like, I'm in a bad place or I can't do, it's not working. 
Right. And, right. you know, the, the, the difference between success and failure, true success and failure, yes. whether it's successfully accomplished or the failure right. of you abandoned it. And that's right. how I really measure it is sure. is getting out of it or coming yep. up with a solution. Coming, the and, other, coming to the other side, finishing exactly. the thing and then being able to evaluate it, hopefully with a little bit of clarity and distance that right. I can then go, that wasn't as bad as I thought, or this is genuinely not what I had hoped. What can we learn or what can I do to not have this happen again? Exactly. You know I mean? Oh, totally. And, and sometimes that post-mortem is more valuable than even the doing. It's like yeah. the ability to step back and go, whoa, this whole thing got screwed up. <laughs> How did it go wrong? Was right. it me? And it's usually a combination of factors. And right. as much as you want to just say it was all them or it was all me, it's somewhere in the middle of Absolutely. that whole thing Always, most of yeah. the time, you know? And right. it's like, that's, that's okay too, you know? And, and the difference being like, if you're in this to stick in it, like to do it, you're just going to keep making stuff. You're just going to keep doing things, you know? Exactly. And, and it's not about people get really wound up on, Oh, if I just had that one interaction or that one meeting or that one pitch, or if someone asked me what I thought my whole life would change. And it's like, those moments are so rare. Yes. Most of the time it's a, much more incremental kind of evolution and you're not going to fail spectacular the world is not america's got talent you know what i mean you're not going to get up on stage and that's your one shot (laughs) that's it it's everything the world the the universe is not a manga where if you just scream and concentrate more with speed lines shooting behind you this is my moment or whatever (laughs) yeah that that everything's going to work out like Mm -hmm. it's a bunch of rises and falls and failures and successes and the overall trajectory is is what you push through and make it you know yeah I, i tell my students all the time i'm like i'm not doing any of the things i thought i was going to do when i was in school Like I thought I was going to be a Disney animator and live in California or Florida and work on those 2d animated films that they do so often now. Oh, sure. Those are right. (laughs) (laughs) You know, or whatever. Like I wanted to be a Disney animator and cause I, it looked magical and amazing and you get to have this cool creative space. And then as that evolved, you're like, Oh, it's like Pixar or it's, you know, CG or whatever. And then you sort of go, Oh, the whole industry has changed underneath me. Like 3d literally happened while I was finishing school, the, oh the huge transition. And I just went, I'm a dinosaur. The minute I hit the industry, oh my God, you know? Yep. And and that's okay. Like who I thought I was going to be and who I am, I'm very much at peace with now. Yeah. But what I learned was that what was really speaking to me about those films and what still speak to me about comics and games and movies and all this stuff is storytelling. Right. I was always about the story. I was always about the characters and the development and the enrichment of those things. And once I realized that it wasn't about, I need to be the artist. It was, I need to be the story person. I've got to get my foot in there. And then to find that in comics, something that I deeply loved and have been, you know, such a huge collector of and, and like just obsessive about for so long and to be able to work on these properties that has been fulfilling in a way that if you would have told me in college, I would have been amazed, but also utterly baffled. Like, how did you get from there to here? Right. And yet incrementally, when you see those steps and all the different opportunities, you go, oh, that kind of makes sense. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It all kind of locks into place. Yeah. Yeah, It's, 
the we we talked a lot about um writing and creation and storytelling and uh i know that like a lot of people like your students and your yeah. viewers and our viewers as well are looking for like the these these avenues these 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 shortcuts or at the very least <laughs> these trappings that are like how do i how do i write how do i express myself right. how do i get in the right. industry and ultimately i think what is the headline of this whole episode is you need to be open to yeah. change and growth yeah. Like, yeah. And be, and, and it sounds corny, but it's so true. Like, are you the kind of person that other people want to work with? Are you putting forward? Like, if you want to be a writer, that means you better have better story ideas that are more organized than the artist would themselves. Right. Because if not, why are they working with you? Do you yeah, know what I mean? I do. What are you bringing <laughs> to the table? Like, it sounds really, and that's not to be mean, but it's like, you better have a better idea. You better have better dialogue. You better be more organized because those are the qualities that you are bringing to this creative team. Do exactly. You know what I mean? yeah. Those are the aspects that you need to have in order for people to look and say, you are the writer, you know, and the same thing with the art. If you're going to produce at a professional level, what are you presenting forth and how far do you want to take it? And what are you showcasing? Yeah. You know, I've, I've literally had people show me their portfolio and they showed me pages and I thought these pages looked really bad. And I yeah. sort of started to critique them and they go, Oh, I know that. Yeah, I know that wasn't. And I started looking at them and go, why are you showing me these? Oh, because they're published. They're professional work. And I go, uh, are you proud of them? Right. Like, do you think this exemplifies your skills? And they're like, well, no, I know it could do better, but I was told I have to show professional work. And it's like, but not if it isn't, isn't the best stuff. you like, can do. Do yeah. you know what I mean? And yeah. so people get it in their head. Like you gave me a piece of advice. I followed it. Why did I not get the result? Exactly. Like, no analysis is still part of the whole thing. Right. 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 You, know? you can't, it, it, there is no, there is no book. And, yeah. uh, and it, it could, because all of the stuff, like all the, right. all the inner workings, the, the, you know, the, the, the algorithm of it, it, it can be gamed. It can be yes. circumvented, but you need to be like, uh, d like you need to have a diverse set of skill sets right. and, and experiences and you need to have this, this realistic expectation of right. your and, and it's also, voice. you're curating what you present, right? Like, so at first it's, it's understandable when you're just trying to build up experience and credits, you just take anything, right? right. You know, I got to pay the bills, you know, the classic, yeah. I got to pay the bills. Right. Right. But right. that doesn't mean you have to put all of those on your resume. Like, right. you know, you, yeah, we you, don't put like my high school job on right, my resume right. as an adult. Oh, you, you mean you cut lawns? You're perfect for this right. executive. You were a position. lifeguard? Cool. Yeah. Like, that's, like that's fine. Obviously, yeah. we all have those it jobs. It shows work right? experience, but it's not right. relevant to the. But topic. even within your, your industry, like, so I have some students that, you know, their first job they got out of school is working on like preschool animation. It's real simple stuff. They got paid the. It was a good job. And they're like, I don't want to do this for the rest of my life. And they organize a new portfolio that is oriented towards what they want to do. Mm. And they don't put the preschooler stuff on their reel or they put very little of it. Right. You know, only the absolute best shots or whatever you want to say. Mm. And they tilt your expectation. It's like later on, if you're in conversation, you can say, yeah, I did that for five years. And they're like, whoa, you did a lot of preschool stuff or whatever. <laughs> yeah. But that's not the point. Like my first gig at Marvel were what is dismissively called candy comics, right? So they're the giveaway stuff in a package of, of cereal or they're uh. like advertising comics or whatever. Like, uh, you know, the, some candy companies signed a deal with Marvel and they're going to do 
a digital code that you can read their little promotional whatever, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They do tons of these, tons of these. They're a huge licensing division, all dedicated to this stuff. Hmm. And it was a really good way for me to get paid and to prove I could deliver on spec and, you know, every so often insert something a little fun, but your job is to basically make an entertaining advertisement, right? right? It is not going to be deep and meaningful, you know, soul shearing kind of work. Like that's not what you're there for. Mm -hmm. And yet the editors who run that division, they're not going to be there for the rest of their days. They're going to move on to other positions in the company. And they're going to remember you delivered. You were yes. so easy to work with. The client loved you. They know exactly, you know, that you can deliver. Right. And it's like, yes, you could get typecast, but there's also something to be said for, hey, I did a good job you know, and I'm yeah. good at this and I'm now on the payroll or whatever you want to call it. It's easy to migrate me to these other projects right. or now, you know, me and we communicate. It's that much easier for me to say, Hey, you know, I really want to move on to these kinds of things. And they go, I'm going to keep an eye out because I know you work hard and you are good and you can deliver or, right. you know, Oh, really? You want to do something like that? Send me something that I can show to the powers that be, you know what I mean? And then yeah. I can tell them you're reliable, you're capable, all that other stuff, you know? Totally. And that's, that's the sort of thing where people, I think they don't want to lower themselves to that, or they think they're too good for it or whatever. And it's sure. like, you know, uh, do you know Dan Slott's first comic at Marvel? Was that the Ren and Stimpy? The Ren and Stimpy. Yeah. He did a Ren and Stimpy. <laughs> comic right he did yeah. a lot he did looney tunes he did all kinds of oh yeah different uh cartoon tie-in books for years for years right yeah. and it's not like they said later on well you can't do superheroes because you wrote because you did tunes. this yeah, yeah. no everyone kind of gets like no you're gonna do different stuff you know that's yeah. just how that's gonna go exactly you know yeah yeah and that's cool like <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've got a bunch of TV animation work that I did that was all very little kid stuff. And I did background design. I was doing 30 backgrounds a week for uh, oh a couple of different television shows. You just crank that stuff out. And it's like, that's not going up on my wall in a frame. Like, you're like, okay, we right. did the thing. You know? Uh, you know, if you did a background for Batman Animated Series, I might put that on the wall. But, I, did, you know. <laughs> I did not. I did not. This but was I'm, not no, Batman just saying, Animated you know, Series. Yeah. No, but, you know, but yeah, yeah. but I, I see what you're saying. You know, you got to yeah. do, you know, you got to pay your dues kind of. In, yeah, in, in or, or just understand that whatever you're working on now is not, if you love doing it, obviously it's amazing, but it's also not, you know, Dane, that that is all you will ever be or all you will ever do or yeah. you know, well, and, all those kinds of things. Well, and also yeah. don't be afraid to like push and ask yeah. for for more or right, for greater, right, right. you know, like be, because you, you mentioned, you know, that, that, that aspect of like, oh, and don't be afraid to say I want right. to do something else. Like you have to be in that mindset and you have to be yeah. like that kind of person who would say, Hey, right. I, and it's, I but it's on. also about being realistic and honest, right? right? It's that weird balancing point of like, Hey, I wrote Spider-Man in a giveaway comic. Clearly you guys are giving me amazing Spider-Man. Right. Time. I'm going to take over. <laughs> I'm, I'm good to go. You know? Yeah. Like it's not that simple, but on the other hand, you're like, it's still incremental. You're still, you know, putting yourself yeah. out there and, and getting those things, you know, going right. And that's exactly. all part and parcel of it. It's not a steady climb. It's not easy. It's bumpy. It's weird. We all have these moments of just like, Oh man, I thought I had a clear shot to this goal, but it's always going to be fraught with, you know, different challenges and stuff. And also I think I, I try and tell a lot of people, I know you may have a dream 
project, dream character. The ones you can control are the projects you're creating, right? right. Your creator own stuff, your own independent projects. If your entire life is hanging on doing Spider-Man, you may never get a chance to write Spider-Man. Like yeah. you have to, that doesn't mean you shouldn't shoot for it. That doesn't mean you can't be passionate about it. It doesn't mean you don't, whatever, you got the tattoo, you've, you're going to do the thing. This means a lot to you. Mm -hmm. I get it. And it, again, I, I almost want to say like that this isn't a manga where the inevitability of your dreams will come true because, yes. bro, <laughs> because you, bro, you concentrate you know, hard enough. Right? Yeah. If, if I try hard enough, you know, whatever, <laughs> all the things. Like it is, uh, well, oh God, I'm not even a Star Trek guy. And there's that Picard line of like, you can do everything right and still, and not, still lose. Yeah. And still lose. You can not have made any mistakes. That's it. And still yeah. not win or whatever that is. That That's quote it. That someone will throw in the comments and be like, way to ruin it. Sub. Um, <laughs> you can do great work and not get the dream book. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You can, you can ask the universe and not receive the thing. And that's okay. Like, putting yourself out there and making stuff is always going to be a weird, you know, process and it's going to have your mileage may vary. Right. So <laughs> yeah. That is the, that is the whole thing of it. But, you know, I say to students, like people say the, the, um, the right place at the right time. And the only way to have the right one is to make places and times. Right. That's a good point. So you yeah. put yourself out there, you put things out into the universe, you go to conventions or you interact with people, you, you put the best version of yourself into those spaces yeah. and then something somewhere tilts. And at the time, it, when it finally happens, you can look and go, isn't that an amazing coincidence? And it's like, no, you, you did this a hundred times. Right. It's great that the dice rolled your way that time, but it's like, you've been putting in the work. It right. seems magical when it finally happens, when someone thinks of you and calls you and offers you amazing thing. I can't tell you, you know, like walking on air when Mark Besso calls me and says, you're our number one pick for Conan. Like we want you to take over the book. And it's like, oh my God. You know, like when I was a kid, I read this book and the novels and the comics and the, this is means so much to me. Yeah. Now I got to live up to all that expectation. Right. Right. But but it, if it didn't happen, that's still, you know, I've still done all those other things. Exactly. And I'm, you know, on the other side of Conan, I can't just say, well, that was the peak. I did it. I'll Almost. jump in my grave. Like, you know, like, ta-da. <laughs> yeah. yeah, get the dirt over me. I'm finished. You know, like, <laughs> there's nothing left. You're like, you've got to be, you know, at, last year, I was simultaneously writing Conan the Barbarian and Dungeons and Dragons. Right? Yeah. And it's like two of the biggest properties in fantasy. I'm a sword and sorcery goober. It probably doesn't get it any better than this in right. terms of visibility on those in uh, that genre. Yeah. But I've got other things I want to yeah. do. You know what I mean? Like I'm going to do the good news is whatever fantasy project I do next. Now I get to attach the words Dungeons and Dragons and Conan to my name. Sure. What is the guy that did Dungeons and Dragons and Conan do unfettered on his own? <laughs> fantasy, you know, like yeah. what's what's next? That's cool. Like that's yeah. a nice thing to be able to do. Or, you know, also understanding that at every stage, you're also building up your ability to and this sounds, it's like the word brand leverage. When I say leverage your ideas or leverage sure. your, what you're known for or any of those types of things, you yeah. know, yeah, yeah. And that, that changes in such incredible ways too. And sort of being cognizant of it and being like, 
oh, I could contact an editor who 10 years ago wouldn't have given me the time of day. <laughs> and maybe they'll say they don't have anything, but they'll they'll respond. Yes. They'll definitely talk to me or let's get on a call or, oh, cool. Okay, that's kind of neat. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's all it's all part of that evolution, I think, as well. And so when you're looking at, oh, you were talking about pieces of advice. I know I'm jumping all over the place. No, it's this this is probably also a good note to end on, frankly. Yeah. I have a really good friend in the comic book business who for a long time um was very bitter and angry and frustrated because in their head they deserved and wanted to be on a higher level and they weren't getting that mm -hmm. and at some points they were doing really amazing projects and but they weren't appreciating it never seemed to appreciate it and they said afterwards when i got my when i got thunderbolts they actually called me up and they said enjoy the ride and i was like of course and they go no you don't get it, man. And I was like, I, okay, like, tell it to me. And they go, when I was doing stuff on that level, I never appreciated it. I was looking like, who can I pull down or who can I get to the next climb up and tear through? And, you know, I'm the man, I'm going to do this thing. Yeah. And I never looked and said, isn't this cool? Right. Isn't this fun? Holy crap. Can you imagine whatever eight year old, 10 year old, 12 year old you doing the thing right now? I was so frustrated that i wasn't at the top that i couldn't even appreciate that i was playing in the major league or whatever you want to you know analogy we want to use absolutely this, right yeah. and he goes i wish i had because now i don't know that i'll ever get to do that stuff again and i've got a reputation for being a very sarcastic snarky person about the work mm. and i was like oh and he goes enjoy it like really enjoy it yeah and so in the moments when you're stressed and you're frustrated and you're like, man, these deadlines are, why can't I get them to understand this thing to get it approved or all this other stuff? You know, I keep that in mind. And then my wife will every so often say to me, she goes, yeah, but, it, but it's still comics. And I'm like, but it's still comics. Like you know, <laughs> on my worst day, on my most frustrated, it is a job. And that means it's difficult and stressful and all those things. And in, in some cases it can be more because you put your heart into it and you yeah. don't want to screw it up. If I was just doing a, a whatever Joe job at a, you know, whatever, fill in the blank, you could walk home and just dust your hands off and go, well, I'm done for the day, but it's yes. never done. You're always thinking, you know, thinking yeah, you're always it. there. Yeah. But, but I try so hard to appreciate, like I try, you know, something as simple as the conventions that I took for granted, you know, yeah. we don't, we're not traveling right now. Like, yeah. you know, and, and, at the time I was doing 12 to 15 conventions a year and literally popping all around in some cases, the world. Yeah. And I never got cocky about it. I always like, wow, this is really cool. Yeah. But now like the next time I go on a trip, it's going to be like, Whoa. Yeah. Remember this? That is cool. <laughs> that is fun. And it sort of resets my brain on that stuff. And that's one of the reasons I also love teaching is because if I did have any of that cynicism or that frustration or that, like, Oh man, this sucks if I'm in casual conversation with the students and they're like, Oh, what are you working on? Like, Oh, you know, I've got a new D and D project. And they're like, what? <laughs> Dungeons and dragons. And you're just like, yeah. Like, and yeah, I, I love this cool. stuff. Yeah. But their enthusiasm reminds me of my enthusiasm reconnects me and re-energizes me and goes, this is awesome. You yeah. know, like, and, and so wherever you're at, if you're making your very first story, if you're getting your very first thing published, if you're on your 10th, 12th, 15th, 300th script, you know, whatever you're doing, 
try, try, try to just sort of get that little moment, step back and go, Hey, this is cool. Yeah. Hey, look at this. I didn't do, I've never done this before, or I've never taken it this far. I have a little ritual that I do with my wife when they send the comp copies of comics. Um, you know, I get the package, whatever, and I crack it open. I always pull out the top one and I hold it and I joke. She thinks it's really stupid. I funny, <laughs> but I hold it up and I go, I made a comic. <laughs> and she goes, you should keep doing that. And I go, oh. I will. <laughs> and that's, I will. I will. And it's like, we've done this hundreds of times. Right. Yeah. But it's like a fun little ritual. Like the package comes and I crack it open and I pull it out and I go, I made a comic. Yeah. And, and like, if I can't do that, if I throw those in a corner or something, right. I got to reevaluate. Totally. Like I gotta, why am I doing this? Why did yeah. I go here? You know? Yeah. So, yeah. Well, this was awesome. Tim, thanks so much for coming on the show, man, and no uh, and lending us your experience and advice. Uh, it's has it's always invaluable, and it's always a pleasure thanks, just hanging man. out and uh, and chatting. Uh, what is uh what what is something that's work that you're working on that's that people can go check out? Sure. Next. Next. Um, or now. So, yeah, Conan 300 came out. Uh, yes, recently. congratulations. By a the way, a lot of fun. I've always wanted to do one of those big anniversary issues. Yes. And uh, I am super excited to. Uh, when I get back to conventions to sign up a storm of those, I'm really, really proud of the issue. I'm really proud of the whole run. Really happy with what we did. Yeah. Um, I've got a new Dungeons and Dragons miniseries coming out called Mindbreaker. That's currently in pre-order coming out this fall. Uh, Avengers tech on is continuing at Marvel. Yes. Um, trying to think about other things I'm allowed to talk about. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. I've got, um, Oh, uh, uh, World of Darkness, Crimson Thaw, that I'm co-writing uh, for Vault uh, on the World of Darkness stuff, all their Vampire the Masquerade and things like that. Yeah. And I think the first issue of that's coming out in a few weeks as well. So Sweet. on the comic front, that's what I've got going on that I can talk about. And okay. other cool things that are in the, that are bubbling in the cauldron or whatever. You know, Excellent. I'm really pumped for. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's exciting, man. Well, uh, thank you all for, so much for hanging out with us and we'll see you guys next time with another episode, but make sure by the way, to follow Jim and all of his various socials and oh, uh, his own YouTube channel, which you can find in the description below this video and every video uh, here on Compop Returns. So long, everybody. <laughs>